Welcome to Honest Money. We've put together a 2022 investing game plan to help you achieve your financial goals this year. In this episode, Warren Ingram reviews his 2021 game plan, provides 2021 reviews on the JSE versus the world stock market investments, why a percentage of your portfolio should be global, and more on 2022 investment decisions you should consider. Listen for more. We always try with the first few podcasts of the year to, to give you some strategy and some game plans for, for yourself that you can implement and, and um, you know, actions that you can take for yourself and your investments over the year ahead. And, and I think that you know, the, the, this year is no different. It's, it's really important that you know, once you've got the basics of your financial planning right, that you then have a game plan for your investments for, for 2022 and, and the years after that. And so th- this podcast is really focused on on how to make sure that your investments are right for for the year. Uh, b- before we do that, we always need to just make sure that you cover some of the other bases, and and one of them will be around debt. Uh, we, we've done a podcast just before uh, the you know the episode before this on on making sure you've got your your debt game plan sorted out. So I don't want to belab- belabor the point, but just make sure that you know you don't start investing when you've got things like credit cards, personal loans, and, and overdrafts to sort out. You know, th- those are critical to get out of your life before you start investing. You, you are welcome to invest when you've got a mortgage. That's not a big issue, but uh, make sure that the mortgage is still being paid off a little bit quicker than normal. And I think the next step is uh, make sure you've got an emergency fund before you start investing. You know, an emergency fund is such a critical part of any financial plan because, you know, it's the thing that helps you uh, and protects you when life happens and when the unexpected events happen that are, are able to derail your financial position. So for investors who have an emergency fund, it means that when something goes wrong, they don't need to sell their investments and potentially they might be forced to sell them at, at you know the bottom of a stock market crash uh, because they've got an emergency fund. And I think that that's a real key you know, in, in, in your investment strategy is an emergency fund is there to give you peace of mind and, and make sure that you can take the rest of your savings, invest it long term and not worry about you know, an unforeseen uh, expense that suddenly derails your whole financial plan. And clearly, you don't want to go into debt to pay for your emergency expenses. So, so an emergency fund is key. And just as a reminder, uh, if you have a uh, if you have a place for an emergency fund, it should be a money market account, uh, you know, savings account, something linked to your banking profile, and and it's there to earn interest. It's not an investment that that goes into the stock market or cryptocurrencies or something like that, because you need to be able to access that money at very short notice and know that it that the amount is certain you know you you need to know that you know if you've put 3 to 6 months worth of expenses which is my recommendation that it doesn't suddenly halve because you invested in the stock market and the market has fallen over at the worst possible moment for you in your in your personal life so you know any money market account or savings account is fine. Don't, don't be too worried about the interest that you're going to earn. Uh, it's going to be very low, very boring. Um, but but this is a form of self insurance. So it's actually you protecting yourself and and not having to borrow money to to get yourself out of trouble. So once you've got your emergency fund sorted out, the the then you can start looking at uh, you know saving and investing. And I think the key here is is to distinguish between your retirement, uh, you know, financial freedom savings. And and then your other you know discretionary savings and and for me when when people say how much should I invest in my retirement funds, I, I think the ratio is somewhere between fifteen to thirty percent of of what you earn. So so just to explain that, if you earn ten thousand rand a month before tax, so that's before the company or you know the government takes any of your taxes away or any deductions, then you need to save between a thousand five hundred to three thousand rand a month 
into your long-term retirement savings. And the reason for that is that that's what gives you uh, your long-term security and also you, you, know, you get the breaks in terms of tax breaks from SARS for making contributions to your retirement funds. So it's a, it's a critical part of a, of a long-term investment portfolio, but, uh, but also the, that ratio of 15 to 30%, how do you decide what, what suits you? If you're someone who says, I'm really happy to, to work uh, you know, in, a, in, in, a, in a career and retire at age 65, then you can save 15% a year, you know, because you're going to be working for longer than you'll be retired. And, and certainly, you know, you'll, you give your, your capital a long time to grow and compound on itself. But if you want to achieve financial freedom at an earlier age, let, let's say you want to stop working at 45, then you're going to need to get to that savings goal of 30% of your retirement funds. Because, you know, that's the key with, with money is it's all about you and your goals. If you want to hit that financial freedom goal early, that means you need to save a larger amount um, earlier and be consistent in saving that large amount over, over your, your working career. If you get that right, then you will hit that financial freedom goal. If you think that it's ridiculous, you know, that no one can save 30% a year uh, of their income, then, you know, you know, reduce it. But just understand the trade-off that you're making is that you are going to work longer and, and only, only reach financial freedom later. But, but don't give yourself excuses. If you're saying, I, I want to hit financial freedom at 45 and you're currently 25 years old, you can do it. But you have to make those, the, the, those trade-offs now and, and make sure that you're allocating a much bigger portion of your income to your savings than, than to expenses. So once we've got that right, I think the other thing is just to make sure that you are using the tax-free savings account for your long-term investments. So, so don't put your money into a, you know, a fixed deposit or a, you know, a, a, a money market account when, you, when you're putting your money in a tax-free savings account. It's really designed for a 15 to 30-year investment horizon. Uh, and although you can access the money at any time, you know, the, the, the trick there is uh, make sure that you actually you know, choose something that will give you long-term capital growth. And for me, that means... The, the stock markets, you know, and you could put half of your tax-free contribution into the South African market and, and, and then, you know, the other half into the global markets. Don't try and be too fancy in choosing the best shares or the best individual unit trusts. Rather make it a nice, broad, diversified investment and know that you're doing it for 15 or 20 years. So trends are going to change, markets are going to change. So you want as much diversification as possible. I think then just, just to do a little bit of a review of what we discussed last year when we when we looked at the investment game plan for the year ahead and, and what happened uh, and and what do we think about the the, the year ahead now? So uh, I, I did a quick listen of what, what I said last year before I, I recorded this and and it was interesting. I, I'm I'm glad I, I made some sense for once. And one of the things I said was that I think that the JSE will be a good place for investors for for 2021. And fortunately, that turned out to be correct. The, the JSE actually delivered a total return of 29% in, in the calendar year of 2021. So that means if you invested in the JSE, you know, you'd bought a, a, you know, a top 40 or top 50 index and you started on the 1st of January and you, you looked at what you had by the 31st of December, your, let's say you put in 10,000 Rand, you, you would have had 13,000 Rand by the end of the year, or nearly 13,000, 12,999 to be honest. So, so that's a very good return. And when we look at what the world markets did in Rand terms, it was almost exactly the same. In fact, the JSE was fractionally better than the world markets. So that means that if you had been splitting your contributions equally between the, the, the South African market and the world markets, then all of your investments were up nearly 30% over the year. 
if you measure the JSE and the world markets in dollars, the return was about 4% for, for the year in dollar terms. So, so either way, you know, investors made, made good money uh, by investing in South Africa and global markets. And I think I would like to reiterate that that's a view that I, that I had for the next five years. So, so don't change the strategy now simply because we've had one very good year where the JSE has delivered a fantastic return. I think it's a good strategy to, to maintain. So, so my recommendation for, for people that are looking at investments for 2022 is, you know, keep going, keep contributing half your money to the JSE and half your money to the global markets. Uh, that doesn't mean the JSE won't go down or that global markets won't go down, but I just think the value that we're being offered as investors on the JSE um, is still decent, whereas some of the value in the world markets is now quite expensive, you know, especially the US market. I, I think the, the tech shares are extremely expensive. Um, and, and so I expect other parts of the world markets to deliver growth in, in the next year or three or five. So certainly, you know, Europe um, and the emerging markets will be a better place to get growth than, than the US, but that doesn't mean you want to avoid the US because there's some amazing companies there that do a lot of business around the world. So bottom line, uh, you know, if you've got a tax-free or other investments, um, you know, do your contributions, that, you know, 50% South Africa, 50% global. And just remember, I'm talking about, you know, 15, 20-year investment horizon. I'm not worrying about the next one or two years. You know, th th this is a recommendation for people that are looking for long-term capital growth. In terms of the, the balance between South African investments and, and offshore investments in total, I think that, you know, just as a reminder that, you know, all of us should have a minimum of our of about 25% of our investments uh, in global markets. And that would be for, for people who are planning to live in South Africa, probably have just enough money to, to you know, reach financial freedom and, and fund themselves for the rest of their lifetime. If you've got a bit more money, so let's say you are planning to live in South Africa, but you, you know you've got enough money to leave, leave some to your children, then I think you should increase your offshore allocation to about 50%. So then you've got 50% in South Africa, 50% global. And, and the reason for increasing the offshore allocation is if you've got money that's going to go to your kids, you just don't know where they're going to end up. You know, they might want to study overseas, they might want to travel, they might want to move overseas. And, and then increasing their, their global diversification makes more sense. And simply, you know, you're, you're also investing for a much longer time horizon because you're not just investing for you know, your own lifespan, you're now investing for your lifespan and a portion of your children's lifespan. So, so when the time horizon extends, then, then you need to make sure that you increase your diversification even more. And then lastly, for, for people that are, you know, in the, in the top 1% that are going to have enough money to leave behind to their children and their children's children, uh, you, you know, uh, th then I think you need to increase your overseas allocation much more. So, so I think for, for people in that position, you need to increase your allocation to 75% of all of your assets should be invested globally. And the reason for that is that you're investing for timeframes of 100 or you know, 150 years. And when that happens, you can't take a very big concentrated view on one country because the, the, you know that the money is not going to be spent in your lifetime. So you know, your 25% your allocation that you've got in South Africa is there to fund you and potentially some of the offshore allocation you might want to use as well. But the balance will be invested across the globe uh, you know, as diversified as possible because you really have got such a long time horizon for this money that you need to, to make sure that you're taking advantage of a lot of the opportunities that might come around in 50 or, or 100 years' time. But secondly, also that you've spread your assets wide enough so that you, you, you're avoiding any particular political risk or economic risk of one country. You know, you've, you've got a, a big spread and that's really key. I think also I, I think this is the year 2022 um, where 
you know, the fashionable investments that have, you know, created a lot of FOMO with investors will, will kind of hit the wall. You know, it's very likely that interest rates are going to rise in the, in the US and in South Africa. And when that happens, the, the, you know, the possibility of borrowing lots of money at very low interest rates goes away and companies will start to, you know, have to pay back debt and manage their balance sheets more carefully. And then all of these kind of go-go shares that have been shooting up and then falling over and shooting up again, uh, they're, they're likely just to stop shooting up and in fact will probably crash. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not talking about companies like Microsoft and Amazon and, uh, you know, Apple. I'm talking about, you know, GameStop and those kind of companies that that shot up in value just because people on social media said it was worth uh, worth investing in. Uh, you know, it's a company that doesn't really have a reason to exist anymore. And, and, and you know, it, it certainly doesn't uh, make much profit, doesn't grow at all. So it's, it's just a business that I, I don't think deserves to be listed at, at all. So, so when you make uh, investment decisions now, be very careful that you're not following the fashion, following the crowd. You know, so so any asset that's been getting huge social media ten- attention, especially from you know the the kind of um, fin twit uh, influencers, you know, who kind of talk about investing all the time, but actually don't invest much money on their own, they're, they're the ones that are going to lead you down the garden path this year, you know, and, and take you off a cliff. So just be careful. You know, th- this is the year to be conservative, um, to be cautious with your investments. Make sure you're buying big, solid businesses. D- don't take a big punt with all of your money on, you know, uh, one crypto coin or, you know, one share because other people are doing it. You know, th- the likelihood is that those things might fall over in a, in a year like this. So, you know, if you want to take a punt on, on very speculative assets like cryptos, by all means do it, but don't do it with a large chunk of your money. Do it with five or, you know, maximum of 10% of your investments. If it really goes up and you do really well, congratulations. But if it falls over in, in, in this year ahead, then you're not going to be too badly compromised in your financial position. So I think at all costs, avoid FOMO, avoid the, you know, the fear of missing out. This is not the year to be chasing what everyone else is doing. I think a lot of people are going to are going to feel a lot of pain this year and and you know that doesn't mean markets won't grow but i just think it's going to be the good old fashioned kind of investment philosophies coming through and kind of you know this time it's different is not going to work out again it's it's going to be this time it's back to business as usual i think also just make sure that you you develop your strategy for yourself and then stay invested in your strategy despite the volatility despite the social media noise that that will come this year you know i i think reviewing what i said last year as well you know i said it was going to be a crazy few years markets are going to shoot up and shoot down and that's exactly what happened and i, I think that 2022 will be no different but that doesn't mean that you should change your investment strategy because markets are going crazy or and more importantly, that the media or social media is going crazy. This is the year to you know to chart your own course, be stable, be strong, be secure, be brave, uh, and and don't worry about what everyone else is doing. You know that you're not a, a horse race with everyone else. You've got your own goals to achieve and your own uh, long term financial future to secure. So what other people are doing is just not relevant to you. On that note, I think I wish you all the best for, for your investments for, for 2022. I hope that it's a good year and a productive year for you. I look forward to keeping informed as we go and, and, and keeping, uh, you know, keeping you straight and narrow on your game plan. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.